You didn't push play by accident. Yep, it's the First Issue Club podcast once again. This week, we've got Manor Black and Knights Temporal. Hey, before we get the episode started, we want to make a quick announcement. Um, we as a group have decided that we have much more to say about comic books and comic book related uh, paraphernalia that can be contained in this show. So we have decided to start a Patreon. We are going to be covering, uh, fresh off the bat, um, the X-Men series coming out. There, we can't. There's not enough time in this show to cover it all. So we're going to be doing some special X-Men episodes, some special... Uh, episodes about uh, graphic novels and trades and all their fun stuff. So if you want to contribute to that. Yep. So if you want to listen to books that we don't cover on the regular episode, but there's a ton of other comic books that we love to talk about in our recording, then go on, hop over there, pay a tiny, like almost nothing amount. Inconsequential. Yeah, inconsequential amount of money and get yourself the mother load of comic book content. For the price of a cup of coffee. I knew someone <laughs> oh, was going to really go good. there. Yeah, that's <laughs> You really can good. get Class A Prime comic book content from your favorite members of First Issue Club, Greg Lichtai. Greg Lichtai Jr. <laughs> oh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Greg Lichtai, but as a horse. No, we're not having horse Greg Lichtai on this. And dead Greg. <laughs> dead, dead Greg's always welcome. <laughs> I think we're going to do four episodes a month, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if not more. I think we're going to get hooked on this and we're going to have yeah. I think they're going to be wacky, too. Like some of the stuff that we've really enjoyed doing, like the pitches and stuff that we may not be able to fit into our regularly scheduled program will be on there. But we'll do first issues. We'll do deeper dives of different stuff that we're into and reading. We'll probably talk about zines. We're big zine fans, but this isn't the podcast and place and time for that. So I think if you like hanging out with us and listening to us, um, that, you know, we we spent so much money on comics. (laughs) And just to only talk about the first issues is kind of a waste. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, we got a lot more to say. Yeah. (laughs) And also, guys, these episodes, they're going to be raw. Mm -hmm. We edit... Pretty heavily for these, uh, what we call normie episodes. The black label of First Issue Club. Yeah, there's going to be more swears. <laughs> We're going to invent some new swears. We're not going to do a hit. Still, no, do hits. But we'll, we will do more swears. More talking about masturbating. Maybe extended interviews with some of our favorite characters. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> How about you can search for us. <laughs> as first issue club on Patreon to find it. There we go. Yeah, no, that's better. Yeah, yep. can't touch it. We'll, we'll make. Don't worry. We'll make it so you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post links to it even. So uh, first issue club on Patreon. Do yourself a, a favor. All right, we today have Budget King, Caitlin, Mike D, and Greg. The full team is back for First Issue Club. You have just waltzed into the best comic book podcast in uh, your current feed. Can we say that still? Do you guys hate when I say that? The, the best is like, it's a hard thing to measure. There's a lot of good comic book podcasts. We are one of them. And why are we one of them? Because we read number ones only. Weekly, we like to dive into them, and we like to help you uh, navigate through the muddy and sometimes murky world that is the comic book landscape. Have you guys heard anything about the 
angry girlfriend issue of Spider-Man? No. no. Okay, so there is this issue of Spider-Man that's like recently gone up on like uh, the market again. It's for sale. Uh, that's kind of like a book of lore. Made a new made news the other week. Um, apparently, someone has an issue of Spider-Man 14. Obviously, any early of an issue in decent condition in a series that big, huge deal. Uh, this guy's girlfriend wrote, "I hate you." on the front of the cover of it a long, long time ago. And... I think she accused him of cheating or something. Right. And, like, since, it's it's just, like, traded hands, like, several times. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been a bunch of different collectors what? and people... Like a dollar bill. That's Wasn't there a thing that, like, there were drawings on a certain dollar bill or whatever that was in circulation? Uh, I don't know. But, like, this one's, like... Um, like, someone got it graded, even. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yeah, someone recently got it graded because... And what did it get, like, a zero? It got, like, a 1.5 1. 5 or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> it's readable. You're right. You're, yeah. you're yeah. more so buying it because of just the the, the backstory of it, yeah. That's that's crazy. Did, I, did, I, now that you're mentioning, mentioning this, I kind of remember it. And yeah, it's, it's traded hands, like, tons of times. And I think that was the thing that it's, like, so many people think... It's still worth it to have an issue of Spider-Man that old, but it's it's so notable mm-hmm. just because it's it's got this distinct thing on it. The back cover of it says, in no way am I trying to be noble or anything like that. I never thought I'd be able to destroy something that meant so much to me. As far as I'm concerned, you're dead. Damn. How good is that? Wow. Can we get a GoFundMe going for like, the podcast so we can purchase this? I kind of want to purchase. How a, much does it go for? A tombed, but they, they have it listed for five grand right now. But, good Lord. But typically, yeah. a, typically a comic this old in that sort of condition would sell for like 400 bucks tops. I think anyway. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah. I have five a, grand, you're, you're an idiot. I bought a ratty copy of Avengers number nine for like $40. Yeah. So there's tons of these old comics that are, like, destroyed. It's it's the ones that are in good condition that are hard to find. But still cool as a collector to own these things. Well, people thought it was a myth, too, for a while. <laughs> yeah, and so then it, it, like, it popped it up again. Showed up. Well, and the thing is, is that you couldn't, like, fake create the myth. Because why would you, like, no. ruin, ruin right. a, a good copy of Amazing right. Spider-Man 14? So this reminds me of, um, this will pop up every once in a while. Somebody is selling a piece of the Astro Crag. Uh, from guts, that was the that was the championship yeah. thing that you would yeah, win. For, we're familiar. Okay. I've of, looked a up a piece of it or the trophy. Well, so that the trophy is a piece of it. That's what you get. You <laughs> okay. you win a piece of the Astro Crag. But they they have like um, lamps and stuff that have been made to look like yeah. Agrocragger. But they like but at some point, and I think it's it might be urban legend or it might be real. Like some winner, some kid was like selling his and it went for like thousands of dollars. What is it about like I feel like this is something so ingrained in nerd culture is that we get caught up in this idea that you could obtain this rare thing and like now's your one opportunity to do it and the price on things just gets ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, for things that just like would never hold their value or like <laughs> yeah. not yeah. matter at all. Yeah. When you first go to like a Comic Con, though, I would liken my experience to that because 
my first time going through all those booths, I was like, I'm never going to see. Like, I have now seen the same vendors at several different <laughs> booths, like several different cons, several different locations every year. And I know I don't have to get this print of Star Trek whatever just because it looks really cool and it's different than something I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, our first year together, we left with a lot of stuff. It was not advisable. <laughs> just, <laughs> But you don't know that. And there are more people now than ever like going to their first one of these or – Getting into a culture where they realize, oh, I can, this stuff is on eBay. I can get this stuff. And yeah, I'm going to pay a lot for it because I do feel like it's my one opportunity to ever get a piece of my childhood or get, or own something that represents so many things that I love. Yeah. Don't, don't you think that's probably added to the allure of things that are ultra rare that like everything is so accessible because of the internet that when there's something you can't just like, fucking get on the internet (laughs) like immediately and have like immediate satisfaction that like those are the things that people go nuts for. So I don't know if I've told you guys about this magic card that I always like almost buy. Um, It was a very early print magic card. It's called Chaos Orb. Anybody who remotely plays Magic the Gathering will know what that card is. Um, But the card reads, you throw it up in the air and it flips. You you just have to toss it in the air and whatever it touches, it destroys. And there's this urban legend that in a tournament a person ripped it up into tiny pieces and then sprinkled it all over the board to, like, destroy. (laughs) And so then there was this thought that they're super rare because everybody's just ripping them up. (laughs) (laughs) And also the artwork is just, like, it looks like a moon throwing up lava. So it's, like, (laughs) it's doubly just awesome. Um, But, yeah, I'm always like, oh, I could... In middle school, I was like, I want a Chaos Orb, <laughs> but now I, I seemingly could pay $200, I guess, if I wanted to, to own this shitty-ass card that I'm never even going to play with, <laughs> to just, like, put on a mantle that nobody in my family will care about. <laughs> there, there have certainly been times where I feel like I've made indulgent purchases just because I felt like it filled a hole in my heart. That it was like, I've looked at this thing so many times. There was like a particular cover of Spider-Man that was way too expensive, but it was something that I always like, I looked at it online and when conversations about covers you love come up, I always brought it up and like I finally spent like 50 bucks or whatever on this like stupid Spider-Man cover that like who cares? They printed like a ton of copies of it. It's not going to hold its value probably, but I have it. I don't have to think about having it anymore. Yeah, it is. It is weird. Like it's like I can like move on with my life. It's the, instant, the instant like you've purchased it, you're like, ooh, what did I do? Yeah, what am I gonna do with this? I'm gonna put it in a box and never look at it again. Mm-hmm. But, but the fact of the matter that you know that you own it is such a calming thing. Sometimes it's gratifying that it's worth it. Like there's a threshold of dollars where it's like this is just worth it to get it out of my brain and mm-hmm. I can stop thinking about it. I own this uh, super rare Ghostbuster toy that was recalled that um, <laughs> it looks like the ghost is shoots out jizz. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it is I like, love that it's not a safety hazard. It's just like <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't flush this out. Right. And it's inappropriate now. <laughs> um, Get it off the shelves. Hey, please. Jer, quick question. <laughs> that looked like Splooge. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's like it literally. It's, Jer, Jer, come here. It's, it's like it's like th- three or four inches big. I paid thirty five bucks for it. It sits on my mantle, and it brings me a lot of joy to know <laughs> that I have a recalled Ghostbuster jizz oh, ghost jizz good. variant. Yes, jizz <laughs> variant. This is like there are certain things of like lore like that that it makes you want this like dumb thing more. Like there's the um, have you heard of the like Billy Ripkin baseball card that uh, Cal, his more oh. famous brother, Cal Ripkin, <laughs> I don't know yes. if you're familiar. Wait, are you serious? Uh, wrote uh, fuck you on the butt of his bat. And Billy Ripkin doesn't know, and he's holding his bat. And there's this tops card that just says fuck you on the butt of the bat. If you know it's there, you it's easy to read. Uh-huh. If you don't know it's there, you'd never look for it. Right. Uh, and that, that card is worth money now just because people think it's funny it's not any more or less rare than any other card printed that year like there's tons of them but just because of the lore of it people want it well what's that we i think we've talked about this before but what's that is it the michael jordan one where the mendoza brothers are in the audience in the picture the not mendoza brothers who's men did i make that name up yeah like the oh menendez menendez Menendez. yeah do you want to know how I knew what the right name was? Thirty Rock. <laughs> Whenever Tracy thinks his sons are going to Menendez him. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Not because of actually knowing anything from history. I'm going to get Menendez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he puts down one framed photo of them, and there's another one, and he freaks out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, people boy. didn't people didn't find out about that until like like a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a Knicks card. It was some basketball card, and there they are yeah. in the stands. They're, like, on the sideline in Madison Square Garden. That's nuts. It's, like, so fun. So, uh, <laughs> owning useless shit. That was a good segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> First up, we have Manor Black out for us on Dark Horse by none other than Cullen Bunn, Brian Hurt, and Tyler Crook. For a little bit of info, Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt brought you the sixth gun, and Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook brought you Harrow County. So, so many goodness things, goodness gracious things <laughs> happening here. Kaylin, what is Manor Black about? Um, Manor Black is kind of like what I think you would get if you had a blender and you put Twin Peaks in there and then you put Willy Wonka in there and Magic and People of Color. Because <laughs> I was listing those and I was like, yeah, Willy Wonka, none. Twin Peaks, none. In this one, yeah, here here they are. That's true. So, That's like a damn good description. That's so good. The Willy Wonka reference, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. It, I'm also just realizing there's no people of color in Twin Peaks. Well, they do have <laughs> Josie Packard, which, but I Correct, mean, yeah. it's kind of like an overwhelmingly white it landscape. It is, right. Ensemble. But, yeah. Yes, but I think this, There's no people of color in Willy Wonka, or in uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory? I don't think so. No. I, I, I honestly don't think there is. You're right. It's very not European. Well, not, not, not in the old version. Oh, yes, that's true. I'm much less familiar with the... Johnny Depp version. Yes. 
Anywho. Side note on Willy Wonka. <laughs> did you know that Gene Wilder, uh, before he did it, he demanded in his contract that he would, in the first scene, throw away a cane, limp the rest of the movie, and when he gets the cane back, do a somersault to keep the audience on their toes of, like, if he ever had an injury or not. <laughs> or if the cane had magical properties. Oh, yeah, it does happen in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're just like, all right, Gene, we can do that, but it has to be one scene. <laughs> you crazy fucker, you. <laughs> Gene Wilder takes a hit of his crack pipe so and goes, much. okay. I really do, though. I do, too. Zoop, yeah. zoop. Complete so, genius. Yeah. So good. Um, but, yeah, so I was re- – it, it um, saying that it's a mixture of those stories in no way detracts from the story that it is Oh, you gave it a own. compliment. Yeah. I really liked it. It um, – I have like separate thoughts, but like overall, that's what the book felt like to me. The the book somewhat centers around this old guy who is trying to pass his legacy of wizardry on, um, and we are we know that because he goes and talks to ghosts, and that's the best way to talk about your legacy is having a little ghost conversation in the crypts. A little powwow with your they're dead very, family members. They're very honest with him, too. They're like kind of just like, you know what? You need a successor. If you don't get one in time, you're just out of luck. So yeah. it's up to you, man. I love how they phrase it, it, too. They're like, it, it, you know, it has been done before when there yeah. wasn't a successor, and that <laughs> dude didn't end up so well. So <laughs> We don't know you want to be like him, but you know what? Hey, your call. Right. Also, really cool timekeeper that's full of blood. In the basement yeah. of the, in the crypt. Huge hourglass. I kind of wondered if that's what the stuff, like, if they were giving that from their hands. Like, oh, the, both he and his son kind of do this thing where they have, like, blood that comes out of their hands. Is that, like, the bond that they make? Like, the that's like a blood bond. I thought so, but then I didn't know what that weird... Because the son was just like, look, father, I'm ready. My hand bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the dad, yeah. And the dad's Daddy. like, get the fuck out of here. I, I love, I love the, hands. the dad is like not even considering his son. Yeah. Because his <laughs> son's probably a chud. Yeah. I would hope that my father would have enough balls to tell me if I was a chud. <laughs> he, that father's probably told him enough times, but like the kid keeps coming back. He's probably like an Eric Trump kind of thing. Oh, boy. Where he's just like, Papa. <laughs> Papa. He just, he just wants it too hard. Yeah. yeah. He kind I of don't want to give it to yeah, him. Exactly. He's kind of the same haircut. The crazier mm-hmm. thing that we're led to believe, probably, is that uh, in the end of the book, he randomly comes upon another person trying to escape a wizard attack. And it seems like maybe that might be who he inevitably chooses to take on his inheritance. Yeah. So instead of his son, he chose a total and complete stranger. Yes. Well, it's almost like he was waiting for her to show up. I think so, too. That was one of my separate thoughts is that the addition of these, like, wild magicians in the woods that are chasing this girl down. Are they called magicians? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least they are toward the very end okay. when it's talking about issue two. But... That kind of led me to believe that there's like kind of different gangs or sects sects of magic in Sex this, magic, yeah. In mm-hmm. this um in this story, in this world. And I, I got really interested at that point too, just to be like the act of him as this powerful family saying, She's under my protection and they're just kinda of like, Oh, you messed with the wrong tree also, magic guys. Yeah, is that guy made out of bark? Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, he's like a he's like a <laughs> Tree person, he's like, uh-huh. a, he's like a Groot. 
Yeah. So and that I'm not Groot. <laughs> I have to keep telling everyone. He has to wear a shirt that says One that. One thing he says all the time. I'm, I'm not, not a, Groot. I'm not an int. I am not Groot. What else you got? Or he's like, you know, actually, uh, Groot talks now. Yeah. Uh, my dad fucked a tree. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. He, he says was that. consensual. Yeah. This book had so many creepy things and, like, didn't explain them that much. So we know that there's, like, more to, like, learn about said creepy things, which has got me really excited. I felt like if there, they the undiscovered unknown things weren't eerie and supernatural, then I'd be less interested. But this did a good job at, like, teasing this the, the bits of the world that made it more, like, in-depth and intriguing. Especially, like, the, sorry, the the hidden... The hiddenness, because then you've got this, like, really kind sheriff and, like, these really earnest policemen trying to figure out what's happening. And they don't seem to know that any of this magic exists or is going on because even though it appears to be there and it appears to have it appears to have sets of rules or things that you can't do, um, they find this, like, van that's on fire, which actually the girl escaped from. Um, that is, like, completely manicured. It's in a total perfect circle around this van that has burned up because of the fire, and they're like, well, I reckon. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what could have caused uh-huh. this. They assume it's arson. I love that they're going to inspect it because they think it's arson, and who knows where that leads them. I, I do. I really like the cop, like, scenes that <laughs> just kind of get, like, splattered into it. I think that's, I, I don't know if that led to you to, like, some of your Twin Peak references, but it was, like, cool to see, like, that also be, like, I think we're going to go back to that, like, kind of crimey type of, like, cop characters who have no idea what's going on thing yes. to, like, reference this whole world. And that's, like, that to me brilliantly really fits into the whole comic book. I just feel bad for that sheriff. He did. Yeah. Oh, I he, know. He caught he, fire. Mm-hmm. He was a sweetheart, it seemed like. He was. He's gonna. He's just gonna stay up all night. And watch he was Rocky gonna. Movies. He was gonna die anyway with as much sugar as he was putting in his coffee. <laughs> you know what I appreciate. You know what I appreciate though. You ever sometimes in comic books there will be, or not just comic books, but like movies in general. You have this like piece of shit character who's such an asshole, and you're like, this guy's gonna die. It's <laughs> it's in the cards for him within like the next like ten minutes that I'm reading or watching this. He's gonna die. That's what, uh, like, Vincent D'Onofrio's character was in, like, Jurassic World. Like, obviously, a raptor was going to eat him, and then it happened immediately. Right. Yeah, no idea that this guy was going to die. No. No. It was, like, a super endearing, sweet character. You didn't want him to. Like, it... So this this read, like, even though we're dealing with, like, magic and stuff, touches in storytelling like that make things way less campy and way more, like, heartfelt. And so... I like the the world that this built for sure. The moment that I fell in love with this comic book was the end where the main character <laughs> is just like randomly to the stranger that's fleeing the magicians is like, no, you're actually not going to fuck with this character. And and we know that's like he's he's alluding to like, I'm super fucking powerful. Mm-hmm. So like test me. And they kind of run off. And I I thought that I was like, Dude, that's a comic book I could I could get into. Doesn't he change his property line? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what he does? Yes, that is exactly. He's like, actually, boop, she's mine now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just um, it kind of changed who he was kind of building and setting up to be because you just see him like wandering his giant mansion alone, talking to these dead people, 
you get I don't know that you really get a sense that he's a good person I don't or even somebody think he, who would protect anyone. I don't remember correctly. I don't think he used magic up until that point mm-hmm. even. No. No. That's a good I, point. We don't know what his intentions are. We know he's wicked powerful and <laughs> and, and like 200 years to... old. And yeah, and yeah, but he might be a complete asshole. The 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 people who were chasing the witch kind of or the witches who were chasing the wizard uh Whatever, whatever Doesn't combination of superhero people bullshit. all just get yeah, <laughs> to my point. <laughs> um, said that, like, hey, man, do what you will. Like, you're going to regret it. Either assuming that, like, they were going to come back and make him reg- regret it or they knew things about her that he doesn't know that he might regret. So I think there's there's potential for, like, the guys that we thought were the bad guys to actually be the good guys, the people we we think are the here and the people we think are the hero to actually be the bad guys too. Man or black, check it out. That's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. That's good. good. <laughs> yeah, I love my man or black. <laughs> I I was super excited for this book because they did get the team back together that um, originally did Harrow County. And as you guys can tell from this book, the artwork is beautiful. The dude's crazy good. Wonderful. Yes. Is it watercolored? Is I that, think so. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what I love about it. Yeah, it is just so much fun to look at. All right, next up we got Knights Temporal out on Aftershock by Cullen Bunn and Fran Galan. This comic book had a lot of hype. It might have been hard to find. There was a huge pre-order for it. What was going on in this book, Caitlin? This one was a time-traveling do-gooder that's either one, on a path to glory, or two, on a personal mission to be discovered later. We've also got time-traveling big bads and sidekicks to carry us through and to build plenty of intrigue for issue number two. There was a lot of talk of souls in this book, too. Do, are you asking us if we believe in souls? No, I'm just. I think I think it's in connection to like a per, the personal mission he's talking about. Mm-hmm. There was like somebody saying like you can't redeem your soul in that forest, and then somebody else tells him like you can't hack your soul from a corpse or something like that. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what he seeks to gain from. There, there is a little bit of like spiritual journey type of like yeah. imagery happening in this. Yeah. This is a comic book that jumps, like, not time, but, like, universes. So it, like, starts, like, medieval, and then it goes, like, super urban. Um, Which could also be time. Which could also be time. (laughs) You know, that's a good point, actually. I was thinking genre, but also time. There were horses, and then there were cars. (laughs) We must be in an alternate universe. It went from armor to North Face, and that is time. Do you like multi-period pieces? How do you I, feel about those? I love that. Okay, yeah, because that's time travel, which is so, the yeah. future. Your yeah. problem is you just hate it when it's stuck in one time period. That's 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 pat below ours. <laughs> below us. <laughs> yes. So that's how you view time. Yes. Yeah, so I, we that's are, kind of like a stacking issue. Yeah, we're at the top. We're 2019. <laughs> uh, we're in August. That's fascinating. Now, and then below us is everything that and and it's and it's good that it's below us because then you remember that it's not as interesting because it's holding us up it's yeah. the foundation mm-hmm. of our society mm-hmm. wonderful yeah 
so <laughs> wonderful. When, so when it was gonna be just a, a piece about like medieval stuff, I was like, oh, that's in below period. <laughs> But then they went to current to, to BP for everyone at home. <laughs> they went to the top period, and it tickled me. <laughs> it, 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 this comic book jumped around in a in a way that sometimes it felt like um like it was like moving. <laughs> like the whole comic was like, and I read it digitally at first, and so like I was just like, whoa, uh, what is happening? But a second read through it, I was just like, am I stumbling into brilliance here? I think you were because I loved this book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that at parts it felt like it was moving a little fluidly and a little hard to follow, but I think that was on purpose, if mm-hmm. that's what you mean by stumbling into. Yeah. And, and and I really did mean the brilliance thing because I think it did so many things that you could only do if you have a huge education of comic books to like the way that they slammed in the cross transover, uh, the transfer into like the urban world you would only feel comfortable doing if you really trust your narrative style to like do that with there's not a lot of signposts for it but it it works as like it feels like you're moving with this main character even though we don't really know what the main character's objective is except for that this sorcerer is bad news and poisoned his friend and he has something coming for him our hero kind of seems like he's like uh tramping through time but also lost in it like, we're clued in several times that he maybe doesn't have all the pieces of his his own history and backstory. And one of the things that I thought was intriguing about this was that when we're introduced to, like, this initial concept or trigger period that he's going to go on this adventure and be introduced to, like, these godly-type figures, is that they present themselves as, like, shattered glass. And the the way that was presented... It, it almost suited the narrative really well, right? That, like, there's fragments of time that he's finding himself in but doesn't remember this one, but he's, like, mirroring himself over here in this other place and always on the same mission and objective. So I, I think that he's, he's maybe not privy to his own story and is, is kind of, like, lost about this, this woods and forest. Do so you think he's being, I, like, used... I think he's As got a that tool guy by for some, a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the woman Jane. Some like Jane Fool, which is a uh, fantastic wonderful name. name. Yes, I love how he stumbles into her too. Mike, did you read um, the script that Colin Bunn wrote that put he put in the back? I did a bit. Did you see how Colin Bunn references those like fractals? I did. Yeah, so he I does. Didn't. So what he does so he. Well, hold on, you. Didn't? I didn't. Oh, that is a big, yeah. Do you want to know why? Miss Reader didn't read. Because it is important. I didn't because I was so hyper-focused on the way this book looked. And, I mean, the inks were fantastic, but mainly the colors. I think the colors took over everything. When they went into, like, the pastel color form, it was beautiful. The highlights alone I could ruminate on. Just the way... He did them even in the fractal scene, but also in the urban scene. It was just and to hit that fractal scene with not much text was like a really good dreamscape reading for this. This yeah. fucking comic book rules. So I did get stuck there, and I, and I didn't. <laughs> I love that. And I didn't get to read that, but I'm interested to see how he describes it. Um, he he call he says um, these entities are the otherworldly gods who will control August's fate. 
They are weird masses of moving geometric shapes, strange reflective pieces spinning through the air like broken pieces of mirror caught in a zero-G field. Um, they have no standard form. They are like clouds of glass. They are massive, though some are quite larger than others. He, so he gets into physical descriptions, but he does, like, I love that if you just read this, you don't know that those are gods. Like She does make a reference yeah. to the fact that they are entities, yes. but you don't yeah. know. Well, I think doesn't he go... They're devils. Yeah. And yes. she goes, some maybe, others yes, but not all. And That's I, right. Yeah. And I love how you could just like, you could kind of skim over that and you don't really need to like yeah. fully understand that either. Also, like when he's in the city urban area and he's chasing down those like Wu-Tang Clan looking demons, <laughs> like those things looked fucking the sick. Homunculi? Homunculi, yeah. yeah. Those things look dope. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that Jane is leading him on like a lark. I think Jane is like a Mad Hatter, a uh, person who like whose main goal is to just continue people onto the path, and he she's more interested in the path's uh, narrative than the character's narrative. Well, I don't know. I got the feeling that maybe she is a little villainous because she killed the old man. You she, think she did? Uh, she wanted no. Uh, so I, maybe she did, but I, I I got confused on this. She was like, end him, kill him now. But then I think that he got his sl- throat slit from one of the homunculi while August was battling. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. did you I not see too. the last page when she put her bloody sword into her sheath? No. Yeah, so she puts, so she's holding him and his neck's bleeding. And she's like, it's okay, it's, it's okay, it's okay. And yeah. then the very end... She puts her sword away. And it wasn't from fighting the homunculi, too? I think you're led to believe that. Because in the, in, in the story, the old man says, this can't be. I saw you die. Right. Well, and then there's that weird shot to a character that also looks like her standing in the rafters. It is her. But it's, she's t- she looks totally different again. Yeah, I so, think I think these people have been traveling through time, and they take right. on the time period just like... Uh, but that was the part where I was like, this is getting to a thing where... I think that there's a grand design, but I'm not privy to it yet. Yeah. Greg is right. Greg, uh, Jane Fool does kill this person, and boy, does that add a layer to this comic book. Because, like, I think the old man was going to figure it out and tell him that he's probably died before. Like, he's just being used as this thing to... Not a little bit uh, villainous, a villain. Mm -hmm. I think straight up a villain. But I like the way you said that it may be like a Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Like she may not, she may not be completely good, but maybe she's doing this to protect the timeline or to protect the realm that she is in. She's like, it may be messy, but I can't let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, I'm the keeper of this place. I need to tie up a lot of loose ends, which means killing this old guy. He's got two different sized eyeballs, irises, doesn't he? I also have that. Do you? Mm-hmm. Look at me. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, look at that. That's crazy. So that in some ways the story is written for me. <laughs> for for you. <laughs> About me. And uh, me and David Bowie have that same problem and August from Knights Temporal. He's got, so not only are the irises, but I think the whole. The actual eyeball? That? Yeah. Is, it's bigger. Well, like just, so the pupil and then is the iris the thing that's outside of it? The iris is the, yep, that's right. Okay, so then I. Mine is the pupil. Yours is, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Which cool. is a sign of a, a brain bleed, which I do not have. 
Is it really? Mm-hmm. I learned that from Six Feet Under, the show on HBO. Um, yeah, but so that's that's just a stylistic thing, maybe, or I don't know. It just it caught me off guard. It seems to be on purpose. Yeah, because it's not just in in the on the cover; it's in several of the panels. Man, this comic book was a fun romp. Yeah, it fucking ripped. Would recommend. And I don't know how long it's going to go, but I hope it goes for a good amount of time because we have a lot of mystery to figure out here. Jesus Christ. Cullen Bunn, the hardest working dude in comics. I don't think he ever stops writing. I got it. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking the same thing. Two books out this week and just... It hasn't really been that long since we've gotten something else from him, so he's no, he was kind working, of a machine. Yeah, he was working on the War of the Realm stuff. He wrote some Venom issues, and he's still writing, like, Dark Ark and uh, all that stuff for, like, Aftershock. And he had a book come out, like, a week or two ago that was new. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Unearth. Unearth. Unearth, yeah. awesome. Which also fucking that book yeah. was killer. God. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Strom is on that book, too. Yeah. That might have been my... Favorite of these three, unearthed. Although Manor Black is a contender for my favorite of those three. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I like them all. These are all books that I'm like, yeah. oh fuck! Now I have to read. I have to keep reading these yeah. books. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Cullen. Yeah, and you to think there's Cullen Buns in the world, and then there's people who just happen to be the brother of the lead singer of My Chemical <laughs> Romance, and you get to write a comic book, I guess, if you're him, too, or you could be a fucking badass and didn't be writing. Did you like that one, though? I didn't. You guys did. Oh, okay. Wait, you didn't like it? <laughs> I was being nice. <laughs> but I really... Don't be nice because of Mikey Way. You do not have He's to... He's rich. He doesn't need your him sympathy. him or us. We I can handle yeah, it. Yeah, that should have been my time to shine, because he deserved <laughs> a punch in the gut. Oh. Also, you were calling me that I was him, which I felt weird smashing a comic book, which you said oh. of the, the main character reminded me of him. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Whoops. Yeah. Should have kept my mouth shut. That's Collapser. Do not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it later here. <laughs> we have a redaction uh, here on the First Issue Club. We said that we liked the comic out of fear. <laughs> I was fearful of what the uh, once prominent emo band could do to my life. And uh, the first ever FIC redaction. <laughs> Wait, I, do, I don't know that I didn't like it. Do an we FIC OOP. I do, I do honestly yeah, I like worry it. about seeing any of these people yeah, that we review at a con <laughs> and like on the off chance that they listen to the one episode like where we review them and they're like, you, like you didn't really care for my book, I guess. Mm. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> never going to happen. Let's I say know. they're like, there's the, the greatest comic book ever. It's written. Universally loved. Mm-hmm. We'll say Watchmen. Okay. People still shit on that book. And Alan Moore has heard it and probably doesn't give a fuck or remember. Probably because of the drugs. <laughs> I think more more important than liking everything is being able to decipher why you don't like it and make intelligent arguments that don't belittle other people who disagree. Right. That's a really good point. I also feel like comic book creators are like my people and they're creating the world that I feel comfortable in. So like I don't want to diminish that effort and especially the hard work that goes into it. But like 
Yeah. Some of them are not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not for everyone, and everyone <laughs> is not for me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some creators put out stuff, and they're just like, ugh, this the trouble, was a stinker. The trouble <laughs> what that you get into is, like, I'll use my dear friend Bradley as an example. He constantly tries to tell me that Beyonce is a bad singer. Mm. She is not. No, he's She wrong. is very talented. Yeah. He does not care for her. Yeah. That's a totally different beast. Mm-hmm. If I don't care for a book, I will do my best to describe why that is and to put it into a form that makes sense and can give people context as to why. I'm never going to be like, that book is horseshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like, I just don't, I, I don't think, think I'm, done that I don't think I'm the end all be all of, like, whether or not a book is good or bad. I can only think of, like, one book that we said was horseshit. <laughs> And, and the race remmer dead man book was it unit 45 oh. or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay why now, now the, we're essentially mall, calling multiple books yeah, or shit, so let's stop the while mall, we're ahead the mall was that was which tastes terrible <laughs> well we're fucking dumb because the mall's being made into a movie yeah, so we're we the know? stupid ones <laughs> um yeah those those are three books that you could pass on <laughs> well first of all before we go we always Always, always, always love reading Cullen's books. He's a he's a big favorite here around the club, so it was a real treat. And he, he's also just a fucking great person, which most people in comic books are, to be honest. I think the, the statistic is, like, they're pretty fun, but you see him at a comic book con or a comic book convention. Uh, As they're known. <laughs> and uh, he is a, a fucking charming, just pleasant person um, through and through. If there's a heaven, he's going to it. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. Oh, I love this episode. Oh, I love this episode. Ah! Ah!